Good day, and welcome to another edition of COVID Conversations. I'm Vermonte Bryant. I'm in for Harold Fisher. Well, today, our guest is Dr. Michael Lenore, an allergist and pediatrician. Dr. Lenore is also the founder of the African American Wellness Project, a nonprofit he started more than a decade ago to address health disparities in the Black community. But before we jump into today's conversation, Here's a glance at some of the coronavirus headlines this week. COVID fatalities have hit 1 million. Infections are up in just about every state across the country, and federal health officials are again sounding the alarm, saying a fifth COVID wave this fall could infect 100 million. The wait continues for a vaccine for those under five, and the FDA has placed limits on use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine, in the face of rare blood clot concerns. Now, for today's COVID conversation. It's no secret that the virus has disproportionately impacted people of color. That headline was apparent over a year ago, but is that still the case in 2020? Dr. Lenore, your organization works to address those health disparities. Many have said COVID has made those, dis those disparities even more glaring. What are your thoughts? Well, I think what the COVID epidemic has done has ripped the mandate off the situation for African-Americans in this country in what they call health equity. That means that we've known as black physicians for a long time that Af black Americans have always been sicker, probably for a full 400 years. Uh, some doctors say we carry what they call the slave health deficit right into contemporary day. Um, but there's no question that when the virus hit, we as a community were sicker. And, and the virus seems to prey, uh, although it preys on uh, everybody, but it preys on the sickest people the most, um, most often. The other problem was that there were a number of issues. One is that we didn't know about the pandemic, although we were the real first responders. We're what I guess Jesse Jackson would have called the early bus first responders. We were the maids, we were the people working in the nursing homes. We were the people, you know, driving trucks and taxis and things like that without any knowledge that the virus was around. And so first of all, you have a very sick corpus of people. And then you have a, a, a situation where people were not aware that this was a virus that really uh, could kill. Uh, and then you go on to the secondary issues of hesitancy and the like, and you set the stage but when America gets a cold, um, black people get pneumonia. And when we talk about those disparities, so the cross the board for African-Americans, so does that mean, uh, does the, the virus impact young and old as well as the poor and rich in the black community evenly? Well, uh, there are situations with chronic disease like that. I think in this particular situation, uh, what we really start to realize is that when we talk about health, we're just not talking about your physical health. We're talking about what they call the social determinants of health as well, how we live, what, where we eat, do we exercise, are we fit as a community? Uh, and we, uh, we were not in that particular situation. And so consequently, um, I think uh, when you ask that particular question, I think black people uh, for a long time have had these very similar problems. And so when you talk, when you say, uh, are we sick, are we healthy? I'm assuming you're saying in terms of the African-American community, we are not as we should be. 
regardless, to answer the first part of your question, regardless of socioeconomic status, for instance, let's look at black men. Uh, we're the only ethnic group and we're the only gender where socioeconomic position has nothing to do with health outcomes. So black men uh, generally tend to pretty closely fall uh, for what we call morbidity and mortality in the same place, regardless of your stature. You can have a briefcase, you can have a corporate job, but for African-American men, uh, your, your, your risk of, from poor health are exactly the same as someone who is unemployed, living in what we call, uh, let's say, unacceptable, not necessarily ghetto experiences. So when we talk about the problems, what is being done about it? What are the, what are the solutions? What's happening as you see it? Well, I think there are a couple of things. One is that I think we're hot right now. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody wants to give us a word about health equity. You and I both know by November, they won't even know the name of the guy that got strangled, George Floyd, but they won't even know his name. And when you ask who, what was the name of the guy that got strangled? Because the whole health equity thing right now is starting to wane already. But for a few months, for maybe a year, people were concerned about the health of black people and were putting together resources to deal with it. Here's the difference between what we believe at the African American Wellness Project uh, as, what, as opposed to what others believe. I believe that health for black people starts from the bottom up not from the top down. We had healthy people 2,000, healthy people 1,500, I mean, uh, uh, healthy people 2,000, 2,005, 2,010, 2000. We've had all these government folks and maybe some uh, partnership, government, private partnerships trying to target the health of black people. Yet an African-American, a child with asthma is three times more likely to die. Black women with asthma have the highest mortality rates. Look at breast cancer, look at prostate cancer, look at chronic disease. Uh, any chronic disease, we still lag behind. So from my particular perspective, from what I call the, the doctor's lounge, I, we want to take you behind the scenes and let you know that if you're not in charge of your own health and that of your family, your outcomes will not be good. So by that, I mean, you got to be knowledgeable. You've got to understand what the situation is. You've got to get upset. Uh, when you don't get health care that's uh, biased uh, and poor in quality. Uh, and when people are uh, have what we call unconscious bias toward you as a black person when you enter. I always say, if we got as mad about health care as poor in quality and disrespectful and unequal as we do when somebody cuts in front of you in the Safeway line, we wouldn't have this problem. Why do you think that self-advocacy is an issue within the African-American community? Because you bring up such an important point there. Well, I think it's there's a certain hesitancy uh, on the part of people when they deal with doctors in general. I think, first of all, they are uh, usually concerned about a particular health issue. And when somebody tells you you have cancer, you don't hear anything else. I can guarantee you the rest of that visit is gone. But I think there are certain techniques and tips that, 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 that we don't, take advantage of. One is selecting your own doctor. That's the first thing. Somebody that you, you know, that you like. Somebody that likes you. Somebody that fits your rhythm. I mean, doctors, I mean, there's no difference in terms of selecting a doctor than there is in selecting a school or selecting a church. 
you got to be careful. You got to decide what kind of doctor do I want. You got to visit that office. I mean, you know, you don't you don't want to be. We don't want to be notorious. You don't want a doctor make you wait two and three hours. I mean, before you get seen, and then want to know what's wrong with you. You know why you upset? Because you've been sitting in the waiting room for about three or four hours. You don't want that kind of doctor. You want a doctor that won't explain to you what's going on or gets mad when you, as they don't expect you as a black person, be asking any questions. And that's not just white doctors; that's black doctors as well. We're an egotist. We're an ego. We're an egotistical bunch. We're so used to taking credit for a disease that would cure itself that we actually believe we are curing a lot of it. And so finally we get to that point where our word becomes law. It's like Moses comes down from the mountain when you've got a cold and something like that. But if you ask a question and the doctor resists responding to you or gets insulted because you dare to question um, you know, his, um, his judgment, uh, then you need to move on and get you another doctor. So selecting a doctor is very important. Being prepared for the visit. You know, on, here's, here's when you go into the visit, and we have tips on the site of the African-American Wellness Project, be organized. I want to know, you know, if it's just a health situation, should I get colon screening? Should I get prostate screening? What should I do for breast screening? And, you know, what about some of these other things that I need? What immunizations do I need as an adult? These are situations that you can structure yourself before you go in there for a well visit. Now, a sick visit, you want to know what's wrong. You want to know exactly why the doctor thinks your symptoms are related to this. Then you want to take a breath, tell the doctor, look, I'm going to need a minute. You want to take a breath, then you want to ask, what should I be doing about this diagnostically? And then when he explains that, you take another breath. You say, what should I do now? And when should I come back? You know, and so those are the things that you need to know. If, you, if he, he says you need a specialist, that could, you know, don't, that could be his brother. Man, that could be his brother. You know what I mean? You got to find out your what the specialist does. How many cases has he done? I mean, what is his reputation? All of these things are uh, all these things are 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 important uh, before you even think about what your health system is going to look like. You need to know the hospitals in your area. You know, some hospitals, man, are death sentence when you go in there with some trauma because they don't have the they don't have the facilities. And then is happy. It, it, is that often tied to uh, communities of color or communities uh, that are economically challenged? Uh, I think, you know, what's funny about that. The communities that are equal, equal, uh, economically challenged tend to have better hospitals for very serious issues, like the trauma centers tend to be in those areas. And so that if you've got a real sick, if you're really sick, you know, they, they want you, you want to go to a hospital that has good intake, good trauma, good reputation for taking care of some of the things you might be concerned about. The point is you got to know the hospitals in your area, what they can and can't do, so that when you decide to go to the hospital, you can you can make a, a selection. So that um, that I think that's a, a, an important piece of your putting together your own health system. I mean, so that's. Dr. Lenore, talk to us about what you're seeing now as it relates to COVID from the perspective of a pediatrician and allergist. We keep hearing things are certainly better, but we also need to brace ourselves for another wave that's around the bend. Would that be correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, I can give you kind of a, a down-to-earth down example. I, I had tickets to the uh, Joe 
Anthony Hamilton, Maxwell show. Uh, and uh, my wife told us, well, we got tickets on the floor. I was definitely uncomfortable about that, really uncomfortable. Because unlike a, a lot of other people, uh, I don't think this pandemic is nearly over. I don't think that there is, that you should be considering not taking, not wearing your mask, uh, social distancing, being careful, because this, you may be through with the, the COVID um, uh, epidemic, but COVID is not through with you. I mean, it keeps it keeps uh, mutating uh, to various and sundry things. So what we're seeing now is we're seeing a virus which is mutated to the point where it is probably over 100 times more infectious than the Delta virus or the original um, COVID-19 virus. But it's it causes less disease so that you don't have as many people in the ICU, as many people dying uh, from infection uh, with this particular strain. Now, the way it works is it's, there's a COVID-1, a COVID-1.1, 1.2, that's a COVID-1.5. And each one of these mutations is five times more infectious, but maybe clinically less relevant. So it makes people comfortable. So we're starting to see less panic around the COVID virus than we saw before. Less people, who, those people who have chosen not to get vaccinated uh, don't seem to be pushed any further uh, with logic to get vaccinated. So, so we're relaxing and we're, we're kicking back. I mean, the Warrior game was last night. I didn't see a single mask. And after people went to this Joe concert, four or five of my patients who've been vaccinated and boosted were positive for COVID. And so the COVID virus is around and it's going to be around. The, the thing that scares most of us as immunologists, and I'm a clinical immunologist, is that we're gonna get a mutation which jumps the broom on this, which not only causes more infections, but also lands people in the hospital and the emergency room. What we're hoping is that we're far enough ahead of the virus that we'll get a vaccine, which is good for all the COVID viruses, uh, and we'll get treatments with monoclonal antibodies and the like that are much more effective. The biggest challenge we have in one of the principal programs of the African-American Wellness Project is getting children vaccinated. Because if you look at the statistics, the last ones I saw, 56% uh, of whites have gotten vaccinated, have their children vaccinated, it's less than 15, 18% African-Americans. So getting children vaccinated is important. And it's important because it reduces the spread of the disease and it enhances the concept of herd immunity. Although I don't think they're gonna read uh, herd immunity in my lifetime because of the hesitancy around the virus. And so they, 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 but they carry the virus. I think 75% of students in school have already had COVID. And so consequently, uh, when they go home, and the elderly uh, family, immunocompromised people, even adults, uh, they, 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 um, they, they, they match the spread. Already, a child before the age of two gets almost 16 vaccinations. And so consequently, vaccinating infants and younger people is not so, so much of a problem, but because it's COVID and because of the controversies around it and because of some of the, the myths that go along with it, uh, the statistics and uh, parents are much more hesitant about getting their children vaccinated than they are about getting themselves vaccinated. And I don't see the same enthusiasm and push that I saw early on, and I've never seen for vaccinating children. 
Uh, as we uh, sort of wind down, uh, Dr. Lenore, what's your advice for the African-American community when it comes to protecting ourselves as the summer months approach and more and more people are letting their guards down, as you've already kind of mentioned in terms of concerts and the like? Uh, I would say to, to most, most people, go back uh, to a year ago when you, uh, where you wouldn't leave the house without a mask, wouldn't go, go, go places where you thought uh, the social distancing was not adequate. You were afraid. I think that what you've done is you're letting people, something into your house that you're going to regret, that you should continue to use the mask. I think I, I got my mask with me everywhere I go. It's like a, it's, I'm like a gunslinger. I whip that mask out anytime I see anything that looks halfway dangerous. But I think the, wearing your mask, especially in places, uh, we're in public places, I, I think is a good, a good idea. Getting vaccinated, please consider. Keep reading uh, on the information from the CDC, not only about uh, vaccinations, but about the virus itself and how it's changing and, and mutating. So I think that that's another thing that, uh, that is, is a problem. Well, he is Dr. Michael Lenore, allergist and pediatrician and founder of the African Emeritus American Wellness Project. Dr. Lenore, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise with us. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's programs like yours, but I think eventually with the repetitive message of being careful, being safe, um, and wearing your mask and getting vaccinated, uh, that will reach a few people at a time, but a few people can merge into a larger group and hopefully our community will see the value of listening to the CDC and other people who are trusted sources. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Lenore. And thank you all for joining us for another week of COVID Conversations. We promise to continue to bring you the experts to help you go beyond the fear to the facts about COVID. We want you to make the best decisions to keep you and your family safe. We wish you good health.